If we just make content for people and we understand who those viewer avatars are, that gives us a better probability of getting in front of the right people. You know, what we want to do is get it out to the right people at the right time and then let YouTube do its thing. And I know that's a lot of trust, but that's that's where 75% of all views that happen today on YouTube happens is when the AI finds exactly what the viewer wants to watch and gives it to them. And that's what we're trying to do here on the platform. Mastering YouTube is both an art and a science. My guest today has spent the last 15 years deep in the platform and is now directly responsible for over 62 billion video views across his many channels. Yeah, that's billion with a B. So from this in the trenches experience, he believes that there is a formula for success on YouTube. So much so, he even wrote the book on it. Let's go. The world of video marketing for business is changing and I don't want you to get left behind. G'day, I'm your host Ben Amos and welcome to the Engage Video Marketing Podcast. Each week I'll be bringing you the best in the world of video marketing, content creation, business growth strategy and storytelling, along with practical tips, insight and knowledge that you need to grow as a confident video strategist and build profitable businesses. Now let's get on with the show. G'day, g'day, and welcome back to the Engage Video Marketing Podcast. This is episode 202. Exciting, we're getting well into the 200s already. Two episodes down and many, many more to come. So thanks for joining me for this episode. If you've been listening for a couple of hundred episodes, then you are awesome. Thanks you for joining me once again. And if you're new to this show, then I welcome you to this podcast. Each and every week, I wanna bring you the best in the world of video marketing and content creation to help you do better video for your business or for your clients so you are in the right place. And just a quick reminder before we get into today's episode of the little bonus incentive game thing that I'm running this month where I'm trying to get some more ratings and reviews for this show on various podcast players particularly Apple Podcasts. That's kind of a key one for the algorithm here. So if you can leave a rating or a review for this show on Apple Podcasts or whatever podcast player you listen to on, then you will be in the running for this bonus. So to do that, just go to engagevideomarketing.com slash review. That's an easy way to review this show. Just click on the links there. And when you've done that, just screenshot your review and send me an email to podcast at engagevideomarketing.com with your screenshot, just so that I know that the review was left by you. And by doing that, you'll be in the running to be one of three randomly selected reviewers who will win a hard copy of one of three of my all-time favorite video marketing books. Those books are The Visual Sale, Building a Story Brand, or The YouTube Formula. So you'll be able to choose one of those books and I'll get that in the post sent out to you. But to be in the running, you do need to leave a review for this show. Send me a screenshot and you'll be in the running. And if you've left a review in the past, so if you've already done that, and I'm not asking you to review again, but I want you to be in the running. So just go and find your old review, send me a screenshot, say this was me and you're in the running too. Sound good? Double thumbs up. Okay, so one of those books I mentioned there was called The YouTube Formula by a guy called Daryl Eves. And speaking of The YouTube Formula, we are all in for an absolute treat today as I welcome the author of this book, 
Daryl Eaves do the podcast. And if you haven't yet heard of Daryl Eaves, then it's high time you knew who he was. Daryl Eaves is a YouTube and audience development strategist. He's a professional speaker and a consultant. He's the executive producer of the hit TV show, The Chosen, and also the founder of VidSummit. Through his education and experience, Daryl has become an expert in marketing and some of his highlights and specialties include specializing in converting traffic into dollars, video views into money, turning website visitors into clients. And with this expertise, he uses creative ways of finding and maintaining customers through video strategies. Before we get into today's interview with Daryl, I just want to share with you just how excited and in fact nervous I was for this one. As you'll hear me mention in this episode, I've had Daryl on my guest wish list for this show basically from the very beginning of the Engage Video Marketing Podcast, more than 150 episodes ago. And it's actually taken probably about four or five months to even get this interview in our calendar since Daryl first agreed to join me. So this has been a long time coming and I'm excited for this episode. Now, the only time I could actually get with Daryl for this interview was nice and early here in Australia. So I actually recorded this one from my second podcast set up in my home office with my wife doing her best to keep the kids quiet in the rest of the house. So you will hear a bit of lower quality audio recording on my end than I usually like to bring for you. Just a little disclaimer here. And frustratingly, right at the very end of our recording, my laptop decided to seriously wig out. So I had to quickly switch to wrap up the interview on a Zoom call on my phone with Daryl. So very graciously, Daryl aired with me through all of that technical issues, but I want you to hopefully bear with me towards the end of this interview as the audio quality drops a bit as well. So with that said, this was a freaking awesome interview and I know you're gonna get heaps of value from it. So despite these audio issues, get ready. Let's dive into the show with my interview with Daryl Eaves. Mr. Daryl Eaves, welcome to the Engage Video Marketing Podcast. Well, I'm excited to be here. Like anytime I can talk to my people, that's I'm grateful to be here. So <laughs> Yeah, yeah. So before we hit record here, I filled you in on who the listeners to the podcast are and you said they are my people. So that's I'm right. actually that's really right. excited to, to get you on the show here. And you've been on my on my list of ideal guests for the podcast for well, to be honest, probably for about 150 episodes. So as you released <laughs> your book, The YouTube Formula, I, th- I thought to myself, this is an opportunity to reach out to Daryl and uh, and get you on the show. So I've got a copy of your book right here. Um, oh, there you go. Posted, we even got some notes in there, which is good. Posted notes stuck <laughs> all the way through it. <laughs> And obviously, I encourage the listeners to this podcast, if they haven't yet picked up the book, to do so. So we're going to talk a little bit about the book today. But before we do, for people that haven't come across Daryl Eaves um, and the world of what you do, particularly focused on YouTube, can you just give us a really quick origin story of, of yourself and how you got into YouTube? Wow. Do it quick is the problem, you know, but well, the, long um, ver- no. the longer versions in the book, right? So <laughs> longer versions in the book for sure. Um, so I've always been obsessed with, um, advertising and marketing, got my degree in marketing and started an agency, uh, where we actually did a lot of, 
uh, search engine optimization at the time back in 1999 and discovered YouTube in 2005 when it came out and I my jaw just hit the ground uh, when I saw it because it's like oh, the only place that you could actually hit a video and hit play and it actually start playing instead of waiting for it to buffer all the way to the end. I don't know if you guys remember that type time of the internet. Um, mm -hmm. And for me, it was like immediate upsell. And I decided, hey, I can go upsell all my clients that we they can actually do videos on their website. We can embed it. And um, so we went and upsold, uh, you know, 865 clients to do video. And it took us about a year and a half to get those all done. And then all those magically started to appear in Google. Since Google purchased YouTube, um, all the results started to show on page one. And I'm like, I didn't put much effort into doing these videos. I mean, of course, we gave it a great uh, title and such, but they're starting to rank with when we'd spend hundreds of hours trying to get these websites to rank. And so we actually went all in on video marketing at the time back in 2005 and worked with a lot of mom and pop shops, uh, was our verticals were like doctors, dentists, lawyers, pest control companies, and uh, went all in on trying to get the phone to ring from a video. And um, that's kind of where it all kind of started. Um, where my journey kind of continued uh, was one of the clients that uh, called us in, um, you know, we they wanted to sell pianos, grand pianos online. And uh, when I saw the videos that they were making, they, they were getting uh, tens of thousands of views. But my jaw, once again, dropped, hit, hit the ground. And um, I was just kind of blown away by their ad uh, because it was just a music video. And before you know it, lo and behold, um, that uh, channel uh, got 1.8 million subscribers and getting hundreds of millions of video views. And they didn't really sell a piano, but they made amazing music. And I, I really found my love and passion, which was for audience development and uh, kind of went all in on that, uh, kind of pushed aside the getting the phone to ring. And I've done a couple uh, projects off to the side, but basically I've been 100 percent uh, really, uh, you know, working on audience development, worked with some of the biggest brands, businesses and YouTube creators on the planet. And then also I like to dabble on projects. Uh, one of the projects that we dabbled on, uh, it's also in the book, which is the Squatty Potty Pooping Unicorn ad. Uh, I was the executive producer uh, project lead for that and worked very closely with uh, Jeffrey Harmon and the Harmon brothers on it. So there's me in a nutshell. I love it. I think the first line of your introduction is a magical pooping unicorn made me do it. <laughs> That's right. Made me write this book. That's right. Just squatty potty. Right. Yeah, yeah, awesome. Yeah. Um, we've had the Harmon brothers on the show a little while back, so we'll have a link to that episode in the show notes. So, um, Daryl, I, I know people people listening to this pod, podcast probably have an understanding that YouTube's been around for a while. What's I think sixteen years this year. Yeah. So. It, but it's changed a lot over that time, and I think that's not a surprise to people as well. So can you take us back to to February 14, 2005, the, when YouTube first dropped its first video on the platform? Yeah. And like what the platform was there just at that time, and in particular, how it's changed today. So contrast the two to when it started and today. Yeah, so this is actually the first chapter of the book, and I think it's really important for people to understand YouTube's history, to understand kind of where they're going. Uh, but they actually started out as a dating website, 
and they they, they launched um, on Valentine's Day. And the first video that was uploaded, if you look at it through the lens of a dating website, it's pretty crude. <laughs> uh, it's basically me at the zoo, and he's basically uh, showing off the anatomy of um, of an elephant and comparing that to a few things. And so once you understand that, then it's not as wholesome as I thought it was uh, way back when. Uh, but what was interesting uh, from YouTube's journey was they were trying to get anyone and everyone to sign up for this dating website that you could post your videos and so on and share it and, and really connect socially. And uh, they were taking ads out in, in Craigslist. They were paying people $20 a, a video to upload. Um, and uh, they were uh, putting flyers out at Stanford and you know surrounding universities. And in May uh, the, the, of 2005, they found out that basically people weren't uploading uh, videos of themselves, but they're doing like crazy cat videos or you know fun antics that they were doing or their music videos that they actually liked. And uh, they weren't necessarily the avatar that, that they were hoping to get to really to go dating. So at that moment in time, YouTube had to make a decision. Do we continue to force it to become what we want it to be? Or do we modify and analyze and adjust uh, to be, let it become what it needs to become, which is a platform for anyone to broadcast themselves. And uh, fortunately, that's what they did. Um, and they re-geared and retooled uh, YouTube to uh, make it the ability for videos to be shared easily online and also to be embedded e easily online as well. And started creating a community around just kind of, you know, broadcasting yourself and making anyone the broadcaster. And that kind of opened up um, the, the trajectory for them to be acquired in, in less than a year and a half for $1.65 billion from Google because of that virality factor of getting people that they could be, anyone could be a content creator and upload videos and embed it and, and put it on the internet, which was, which was really unheard of at the time. Yes, there was other uh, competing type of, of platforms, but no, nothing um, with, the, with the, the ability to, to uh, put on websites and then also that, um, that buffering feature. It was just magical, especially when you had really slow internet just to hit that play button and it would just play, you know. Yeah, 100%. So if we fast forward then to the world of YouTube in, in 2021, it, it's a very different place. I mean, it's still got its foundations in the same, the same yeah. place, but how would you describe if you were to sum up the role that YouTube plays within the online digital space in 2021? Well, it is the destination uh, for video archive. I mean, that's just the way it is. I mean, when you look at the worldwide audience, um, YouTube actually has uh, over 2 billion active viewers, uh, users um, every month. I mean, that's a lot of the population. And when you look at, you know, um, all the different video platforms out there, um, there's nothing like like YouTube because everything's more feed driven where, you know, you have to push out a lot of content where YouTube's more evergreen and finding the right audience for you. Um, and, and that's why the platform is, is flourishing in 2021 for sure. Yeah, yeah, I couldn't agree more. So let's talk about, and many of the listeners to this podcast are focused on video creation or video marketing for the purpose of driving real world business to use a, a specific term. So, you know, obviously there is, uh, many success stories of, of YouTube creators who make their success and 
money effectively and grow their business purely off their YouTube content. Um, but what I'm interested to explore from with you, and this kind of comes back to where you started in the world of YouTube, right? Of, of helping businesses, mm-hmm. bricks and mortar businesses kind of rank for rank their websites with, with video. So can you talk to us about the opportunity that perhaps is being untapped or not considered seriously enough by in inverted commas, real world businesses today? Yeah, I think the opportunity is what is going to be the most impactful way for you to share your message and the most impactful way. And it hasn't changed from the beginning of mankind is the word of mouth. Like word of mouth is by far the most effective way. Um, and then when you look at what's the best medium is, um, you know, to, to be able to share your message and it's virtual word of mouth, which is, you know, anything socially online, that's just very, very powerful. Now, a brand needs to take control of their messaging and the best way for them to do it is through video. And there hasn't been a better medium for it, um, whether it's a live video or it's, you know, a video that can be archived uh, live that could be archived as a video or just a video itself is really sharing that authentic message uh, with the world. And I think that right there, um, I, I, there, there isn't a, a company out there that shouldn't use um, video. Like everyone should use video because it's a great way to communicate, you know, internally, but also externally as well. Um, with your potential uh, customers. And I've like I've been around the block a few times and I know that there's like some industries that they just don't get it. They just kind of are hesitant. Um, but, you know, we're still at the beginning wave of, you know, the power of that video is actually utilizing. And and I know that more uh, businesses rely on kind of archaic ways to communicate would be, you know, the radio and television and all that has changed dramatically. And what we can do now is really have an opportunity to get our message out. But if we do it right, that YouTube's actually finding our audience for us, the, the audience that actually cares about us. And I use a couple amazing case studies in there. Uh, one was um, were, was a lady that actually went bankrupt in um, California because of some medical issues that her son was having. And they moved uh, to Missouri and she actually decided to open up a quilt shop and uh, not to take the whole essence of, of, the, of the book, but basically what she was able to do is start putting training tutorials on YouTube and she became the number one fab- fabric uh, retailer in the world. And she employs pretty much the whole town and, and people come to her town uh, pretty much um, like, like Disneyland. It's like the Disneyland of quilts and you can find her on YouTube, like the Missouri Star Quilting Company. And she's just been, it's just, she's done hundreds of millions of dollars of sales. And she did it all from Hamilton, Missouri, which is pretty small, a really small place. <laughs> so, you know, the, you know, the world became her customer and she utilized video to do it. And I think anyone can do it. They just need to figure out what, what can I do to bring value to that individual, um, you know, with that video piece of content. Yeah, yeah, some powerful case studies in the book for sure, and and that was a real, really memorable one. I think what it comes down to for me is, and this is really the power of video marketing just across the board, whether you're considering YouTube or otherwise, is that people from people, right? And and video is one yeah. of the most human, just authentically human forms of communicating when it comes to digital 
communications you know that's why we're on a video call right now you know so um potentially it's as as close as we can get to being in, in the same room together and that's the same way that businesses can consider that ability to show up for their audiences and i think that kind of links into the the way that you describe the youtube formula as being a data-driven but human-centered formula or algorithm yeah. um can you maybe talk to us a little bit about that idea that balance between data and humanity when it comes to YouTube. Yeah. Yeah. Like um, one of the things that I learned early on in my career is I was always trying to beat the algorithm. I was always trying to outsmart the algorithm. You know, I do these hacks or tricks or tips to get me onto the number one uh, position of Google. And when I learned that my life would turn upside down with just an algorithm shift, you know, it'd be an update, you know, Panda update or Penguin update or whatever. Like my, my whole life turned upside down because all the hard work that I've done was kind of thrown out the window. And that was the moment that I decided, you know what, why try to fight against what's happening? What I need to understand is the objectives of the algorithm so I can provide, you know, the things that it, it wants and then it will magically just go to the top. And once I did that, all my stress changed because, you know, basically I was in line with the emissions of what the algorithm it was Google algorithm at the time uh, was trying to do. And, you know, my life was a lot easier. Now, with with YouTube, YouTube's controlled by an AI. Uh, there's artificial intelligence that's actually controlling different uh, algorithms and bots uh, to really, you know, try to to achieve its objectives. What the objectives are is to predict what people want to watch and then give them so much of it that they stay on the platform longer. And the reason why, if they if they can predict what people want to watch, then they'll come back day after day because it's like it's fulfilling with a need that they didn't know they needed. And then two, having them stay on the the platform longer, they're able to actually make more money because of the ads that fire. So by doing those two things, um, that's what the algorithm wants. And for for me. Uh, you know, everything changed and um, everything uh, became centered uh, in, in 2013 because that's when YouTube started really to shift over in 2012, 2013 to this AI. And what happened is if you could actually produce content that people wanted to watch and you knew who your audience was, YouTube would go and find your audience for you. And I can honestly say that uh, since that time, we've been able to generate 62 billion video views on YouTube. And a billion of them was just dumb luck. I cannot take any credit for it. It was just like, I have, is a fluke. I don't know how it happened. But 61 billion of them were very strategic using the formula that I teach in my book. And uh, basically all it is, is like, this is just in, sh in short, is understand who your viewer is, first off, and provide value, a unique value proposition that you don't waste their time. And it's something that they're like, oh man, I really found value in this piece of content. I need, to, I need to talk to somebody organically about watching this video, or they do that socially as well. And those are the indicators that the AI picks up on. And what they do is they see little teeny little signs of watch history and what they're engaged with, and they start categorizing people into these groups. And then what they do is test out your content with these groups. And if it's a positive thing where they wanna click on it and watch it and watch to the end and watch two or three videos, then that's where you're actually growing uh, on YouTube. And so the dynamic has shifted. And I think really to answer your question is if we just if we just make content for people and we understand who those those those, uh, you know, viewer avatars are, 
that gives us a better probability of getting in front of the right people. And do if we don't collude um, the 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 data um, in the sense of like sharing it in places we shouldn't share, you know, uh, because what we don't want to do is give all this false information to somebody that says, "Hey, I'll support you and watch your video for 15 seconds, but I'm not going to watch the whole five minutes." You know, what we want to do is get it out to the right people at the right time and then let YouTube do its thing. And I know that's a lot of trust, but that's that's where 75% of all views that happen today on YouTube happens is when the AI finds exactly what the viewer wants to watch and gives it to them. And that's what we're trying to do here on the platform. Yeah, when I first read this, this idea and the way you spoke about it in the book, it just... It just resonated so much with me because I've been saying when it comes to optimization when in, in a video marketing strategy for years that there's really two things that people should focus on and that's audience and algorithm. And I also preclude that with the idea that if you if you optimize for the audience first, the algorithm's gonna follow, right? Which yep. is which is what you're saying there is that if you are focused on delivering the best content for your ideal audience, then it's you're naturally gonna be doing the right stuff from an algorithm perspective that's gonna matter anyway. Yeah. By and large, right? So but I'm well, interested one, to one thing that I always you. say too, this is a really important point, um, Ben, is is if you're creating content just to create content then only expect one view because um, you're making videos for yourself. Okay. Just don't expect yeah. hundreds of views or thousands of views or even millions of views. Just expect one, you know, cause you're creating it for yourself. But you know, what we're doing is we are really proposing value. And the thing that people find most valuable is their time. I don't care what anybody says, but it is, it's their time and they don't want to waste their time. They only want to watch the stuff that they're into. They want to engage that. So you have just a small amount of time to pull them in to your video and bring that value and that unique value that you can only bring. And that's where you can actually get a, a, a viewer to an active viewer, to a subscriber, to someone that's really uh, fanatical about your content. Yeah. And what I'm interested to explore with you here is for people who, who don't have a significant audience that they, you know, just understand who their audience is, but maybe they're trying to find their audience or work out who their audience is and what they care about. What are some ways that earlier stage creators or channels can, can get clearer on their audience so that they're not just creating what they want themselves or maybe is that where they start? Yeah. So no, no, that's, that's great. That's a great question. And I think too, is just understanding what's online. Um, so many times we, um, view YouTube uh, through the lens of a creator. And what we need to do is take a step back and look at YouTube through the lens of a student. And so if you're a student of something, you need to be able to ask why. Now, the audience already exists in the world. They're already there and they already congregate in certain areas. What we need to do is discover where they're at. And so one of the one of the chapters uh, we go way in depth, it's called Recon and Research, where you can go out and say, OK, here's some similar type of content that I would be creating. And here's some similar type of content creators or brands that are doing it. Let me start really deep diving into what they're showing and then to what's being suggested by YouTube naturally from that. And as you're able to see it, you're able to see a little bit better the, the picture of what people are consuming and why. And what you need to do is just ask the question, why? Why is YouTube showing me this? Why does this creator use this title? Why does they use this thumbnail? You know, why are they engaging with this? And then two, you can dig a little bit deeper in 
to the search uh, portion of it where I don't focus a lot of attention because it's such a minute amount of traffic, but it's very pointed traffic too. Like if someone's like learning to learn how to shave, you know, they're gonna put that in YouTube, they're gonna type that in. Well, that's great. And we know, oh, if they're learning to shave, well, they're trying to, to you know, we need to bring value to show them how to shave. Uh, but the difference would be, could we make another complimentary video to that, that they actually need? Like, here's like five mistakes in shaving. Like that would be a great video that would go in, 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 in line with how to shave. And so when you're really breaking down um, your strategy, it's just more, what is your content? What does it look like? Is there anything out there on YouTube that would be similar? And then go take 10 or 20 channels and start looking at, you know, how they, how they do their edit, how they, you know, title their, their, their videos. And you're going to start to see a pattern and this pattern uh, you'll be able to recognize fairly easy. And I would 100% go through the comments and see what people think about those videos um, because it gives you an essence of the psychographics of some of the viewers of what they're actually thinking um, and how they, how they're responding to uh, the video. Um, and that's something that you can actually do before you get started. And one exercise that I do in the book is where we really define our, our avatar for our viewer avatar. Um, and we wanna know the demographics, the psychographics, what they do online, offline. And all we can do is make a hypothesis. All we can do is make an educated guess until we get data back. And once we get data, we can validate it. Oh yeah, exactly, this is what it is. A uh, great way to speed it up is to um, get those channels and just you know make some really good educated guesses and then just put content out there to see how it responds based off of what you've been able to, to do. Yeah, thank you for that. So what I'm really hearing you say is that the the key the key to success on youtube is to just is to do the work right so i think you know those yeah. creators that are just publishing ideas that they have and they're just videos that they want to put out there that they will probably have a nice time on youtube they probably won't last very long because they they won't see the growth that they particularly want but the channels that that get somewhere start but also do the work and look at look at the what's happening, look at the data, understand how their audiences are responding to what it is that they're doing and, and adjust and adapt and refine from there. And, and there might be some people that just need to get their feet wet and make, you know, 50 videos. Like they just need to get, you know, comfortable with sure. it and just trying to figure out, the, and that's okay. That's an okay approach too. I just don't want to waste the time. I, I just don't want to waste 50 videos. You know what I'm saying? I'd rather know who my audience is and try to predict that. And, you know, either way is fine, but you will get to a point where you need to truly understand who you're creating content for, regardless if you're a creator or a brand or a business. And, and once you get to that point, then it's just providing a really good experience for them. It's like a first, a first experience that they have of knowing who you are and what your brand is uh, from that first impression of that video. And so I want to make that video the best that I possibly can. Yeah, I love that. And being a real student of YouTube is the phrase that you used before. And, and Daryl, I think, you know, out of anyone in the world of YouTube, it, you, you really are both a practitioner and a student of YouTube. And that comes through in your book 100% as well. And what I really find fascinating about, about yourself as a, as a YouTube thought leader is the fact that you, you work with countless channels. I, I don't know how many your, your company and your team work with. Maybe you can fill us in on that. But the, you, you work with so many channels that people would never know that you guys are behind. Um, and in, whether it be yeah. 
starting those yourself and scaling those or, or working, partnering with existing creators to, to scale those up. And I think circling back on the idea you talked about before around getting your video in front of the people that need to see it, not people who are going to watch it just to kind of check out what you're up to, which will skew the data. I think what I find really fascinating about you is you don't share a lot of channels that you're actually working with. You keep that no, secret. Yeah. Yeah, I rarely, I rarely do. Um, and the reason why is because I don't want them going to investigate what Daryl Eves is doing behind the scenes because they're not my right audience. Yeah. And, 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 and realistically, if they're not my right audience, why would I want to collude that? Like, why would I want to interfere with that data? And there will be a point of saturation where it doesn't really matter because it's just a, you know, onesie twosies. But in the beginning, it's, it's very critical. Uh, for the algorithm to understand who the right viewer is, is just to get the right viewer to watch the content. Um, and like every year, we as a company start two new YouTube channels. Uh, we do one in January, one in July. Uh, we just started one in January. We started our first upload was January 13th. Our strategy was let's get a video that would perform really well in search for a specific topic. And what we wanted to do is make a very appealing title and thumbnail that people, when they saw it, would have to click on it. Right. And so you'd have a high click through rate. Well, we knew that that was going to happen. And what happens on YouTube and we knew this, uh, YouTube gives a brand new website or brand new YouTube channel a freshness factor. When you're uploading a, a, a video, um, they're going to rank it high in search right out of the gate. I don't care what channel it is. It's just, oh, new video. Let's rank it high. And based off of the impressions of that and, and how many people would actually click on it. So an impression is when someone sees a title and thumbnail for longer than a second. So when they search something, you know, I'm using this because it's an archaic <laughs> way of doing it. But when you search something, uh, YouTube is displaying your title and thumbnail. And that impression is, is what they see. And if we can get them to click on that uh, and have a good click-through rate, you know, then you know, we, we can we can actually um, keep that ranking that you, that YouTube's looking at because it's like, OK, it's fresh. If it if people are skipping it, it'll drop down. You'll get to second or third page on, on YouTube. But if you can get it where people see it, they want to click on it, they want to watch it. And when they watch it, they stay to the end. That's a really important thing. And so uh, when we launched our channel, that was the strategy for the first video. The second video was, well, what would be the best experience for the people that finished the end of the first video to watch? Yeah. And that's what we made our second video. And I can tell you when you see the graph, like there's no comparison. Once we started to do that consistently, um, where we only did probably four or five videos with the whole channel that was dealt to search, but everything was just more, what do people want to watch next? Our first video, first day got 74 views. Okay, that's great, you know, and, and that was good for me. I'd rather have 74 views than a million views if it was the right 74 people, right? And it was, it was the right 74 people. And then what happened next is when we released a video two days later, it shows up on those 74, um, you know, uh, uh, accounts on their homepage. And if we made a really good video that they'd want to click on, that we knew it'd be in line with what they were actually watching, if we had a high probability. Now, we only got like 54 of them to click on it, but, but still, 74 to 54 is not bad. And we'd still every day get new traffic coming in from that, that search that would always recommend that second video. Well, today, you know, search doesn't even come up in our top five uh, traffic sources for that channel. The channel has well over 30,000 subscribers. 
you know, it has, you know, hundreds, hundreds of uh, thousands of views, not millions yet, but we're, we're working on it. We're close to a million, but it's still just growing uh, very organically. And that's something that we pride ourselves in is knowing where to put the energy and effort and where not to put the energy and effort. And I think as creators, we just want to put it out everywhere. We want to say, okay, I just uploaded a video. Your mom watches it for the whole video. And then you have your friends kind of look in for five, five seconds and then drop out. All we're doing is giving the AI a very confusing viewership. You know, it's like, oh, these people didn't like it. Okay, that's great. You know, and they're trying to figure out who to who to recommend it to. For us, that's probably the most sacred thing on YouTube is to getting the right people to watch it. Um, at the right time. And we've done strategies where we don't do it search first. We might go and approach a channel and say, hey, would you mind pushing this? And we'll throw money at it. And they push traffic because it's the right audience that we're looking for. And then we can go from there. And then uh, one of the fastest, well, it is the fastest growing channel to 10 million subscribers uh, is called Mr. Beast Gaming. Beast Gaming. Um, we launched that last year, last May. Um, and it was the fastest to 10 million subscribers. And I can tell you, we did not push anything from the main channel out of the, out of the gate because we really wanted to protect the, the right viewer. And the right viewer was people that watch gaming and Minecraft. Yeah, we had a, a huge subset of people going over here, but we didn't want to collude that until we got enough momentum. And it was like 3.5 million subscribers before we pushed it on the main channel to have it really turn the gas on. And it's, it's something that you just need to protect um, and, and like I said, I would rather have 74 of the right type of people than millions of the wrong people. You mentioned that one of, I think one of the most interesting guys on YouTube, which is, which is Mr. Beast. And he actually wrote the forward to your book, yeah. which is, which is super cool. This is a guy who, I mean, I had heard of Mr. Beast's channel for, for a little while, obviously as his phenomenal YouTube success was kind of taking off. But I, I didn't really understand it, to be honest. Like I'm, I'm not in his target market, perhaps. But yeah. to be honest, since people like yourself and other people in the YouTube world talking about Mr. Beast um, alone, you know, I'm starting to understand just how strategic a YouTube channel and, and how strategic he is as a creator and have a lot of respect for that. And despite not being in his target audience, I've got to say, I get sucked into his videos. I'm, I'm, well, I love the stuff that he does. Yeah. So what, what do you think? Like, let's just talk just for a little bit in, in closing here, a little bit about Jimmy Donaldson, Mr. Beast. What's, what's his secret to success? Well, I think it's, it's two parts. Like he's very focused and driven is where he wants to be the biggest YouTuber of all time. And I think that the next part is he's always willing to analyze his video and make better videos. And that's something that he rips apart. There's hasn't been an amazing video. They, it might be amazing when it's released and it gets 30 million, 40 million, 50 million views. But then he's like, oh, we could have done better here, here and here. So let's go ahead and apply it to the new videos. And he's always pushing the envelope. Um, but I mean, for those that don't know, I mean, he, he gets a billion video views a month by all the channels that, he's, that he runs. It's just like he gets a billion total and he's very strategic and he's very driven. And I think knowing, like growing up on the platform, you know, he, he's just ever since he was 12, he's just always wanted to be a YouTuber. And that's where he's made a lot of videos and engaging with the, the type of content. But I think at the end of the day, it's like, how can we improve? And what, what does that look like? And, and I think, too, you kind of alluded to it where you're not his target audience, but you find his videos 
really engaging and you're kind of sucked right into it. And the, the goal is, you know, from a general appeal, can we get people that discover them, get sucked into it, you know, and before you know it, you are his target, his target demo, which is pretty, pretty amazing. His target demographic has really age shifted up um, and getting a lot of older people now. Um, where it, before it was just, you know, teenagers, you know, that are in middle school and high school that that really loved his his content. But now it's getting even up, up more into, you know, Gen Xers, which is pretty, pretty amazing. And I think there's certainly a lot to learn, as we said earlier in this interview, just by being a student of YouTube and looking at what people like Mr. Beast are, are doing as well. And obviously a lot to learn from from your book, the YouTube formula. Yep. So, you know, uh, thank you for writing this. You know, obviously you, you've, you've learned a lot and you've developed a lot over the years. And you, I, I really feel you put it all in this book, you know, so, um, which is obviously hugely valuable to anyone using YouTube for any, any purpose. So um, do you just in closing here, you know, and this is a bit tongue in cheek, but do you believe the YouTube formula? If you follow what's in this book here, that that is the magical elixir to YouTube success. Like, I, I believe anyone that's willing to analyze their videos using the formula that I teach and are willing to put in place and put their biases aside and try to improve the content and really go from there can succeed. Um, and, you know, we've like we've had. Um, OK, so let me let me take a step back. because This is really important. I, I you, you when you read the book, you're going to see a ton of case studies. And the reason why I do case studies is because you can't really debate, you know, this is something that happened and this is something that you can replicate. For me, when I was writing the book, I'm like, is there a way that I could actually showcase me teaching the principles that are in the YouTube formula and have it be applied? Well, all the case studies of all the, the different examples that are in there are coming from my students that I mentor, teaching them the formula. And it's just me saying, okay, here's the information you go and do with it. And, it, you know, you have some pretty amazing case studies in there and, you know, people that are getting major exposure, making a lot of money off of the principles that are being taught within within the YouTube formula. And so it was really important for me uh, to showcase that because then the proof's in the pudding. You know, yes, it's there, but it's the people that are willing to apply, to learn and apply and to analyze and adjust their content. And I think that's the, the secret. Uh, to life. I think that's the secret to YouTube. And I think that's the secret for business or relationships. It's just like, how do you improve? Like, how do you do it? You know, here's the data. Well, how do you improve? And I think that's at the end, you know, what we need to understand is a better understanding of who we're creating content for and improving that experience with them. And uh, of course, that's the whole essence of the book. Yeah, so important and well said. So it is the YouTube formula, how anyone can unlock the algorithm to drive views, build an audience and grow revenue. You are Daryl Eves. Thanks for joining us for this for this chat. It's been super valuable. I know that listeners are going to listen to this a couple of times at least. Daryl, where's the best place apart from picking up the book for people to follow what you do and, and learn more from you? Yeah, pretty much my name on socials anywhere. Um, you'll find kind of where I'm at or DarylEves.com or my YouTube channel, whatever, whatever it is. Like I, I like to just kind of do the projects that I do. So you kind of see a little here or there, you know, um, but it's, it's fun. I really enjoy what I do, but they can kind of follow me on socials. Appreciate you, Daryl. Thanks for joining us today. All right. Thank you. All right, there you go. Thanks again so much to Daryl for joining me for this episode and bringing so much value for you guys, the listeners of the podcast. And of course, thanks again to Daryl for bearing with me through those technical issues as we wrapped up the interview there. 
So I do encourage you to pick up a copy of Daryl's book. And if you do that through the show notes, the link on the show notes page at engagevideomarketing.com slash 202, just find the link there. It'll be nice and easy for you to find to grab a copy of Daryl's book, The YouTube Formula. And if you do that by visiting the show notes page and pick it up on Amazon, then I will get a small commission as well. So thank you for that. And I am really interested to hear from you what key takeaways you took from what Daryl had to share in this interview. I'd love to hear from you. Just hit me up in the Instagram direct messages at engage underscore Ben or email me podcast at engagevideomarketing.com. And I'd love to open that conversation with you as well. So Again, a reminder, if you are able to take a few minutes to leave a rating and a review by going to engagevideomarketing.com slash review, screenshot your review, send me an email and you're in the running. Do that by the end of this month, June 2021, to be in the running for that little bonus giveaway that I mentioned at the top of the show. All right, that's enough from me. Thank you very much for joining me for this episode. I will be back with you next week with another interview here on the Engage Video Marketing Podcast, and I'll see you or hear you, or you'll hear me. No, what is this? It's a podcast, of course. You'll hear me next week. Talk to you soon.